0: Hello, I'm Nicole Clark, speech-language pathologist and Vice President of Compliance Education for Health for Heritage. You're listening to the Compliance Connection Podcast, your connection to information and strategies that will help you, the clinician, keep up with industry guidelines and requirements. The word compliance often comes with some level of anxiety. We're here to ease that anxiety by providing you with information about all aspects of your clinical practice that will help you provide the best possible service to your patients. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy this episode. everyone. Welcome to another edition of our Compliance Connection Podcast with Health our Heritage. Today we're doing actually a dual um, recording here. We're also going to be recording this for one of our Right Way right Wednesdays. It's a blog series that we do on our Documentation Success Facebook page. So. If you're listening to us on the podcast, go check us out over there. And if you're watching us um, on the page, go check out our podcast. Um, It's a great place to get information. We have a lot of videos or excuse me, podcasts uh, that we've done so far. I believe we're somewhere in the 80s now. And we have um, 100 or so uh, or more um, actual Right Way Wednesdays. You can go check those out too. Um, I have today with me. Bernice Galvez Soto. She is uh, one of our compliance team members. Hi, Bernice. Hi, everyone. How's everyone doing? (laughs) Thank you, guys. Sarah, thank you for joining us today. I I wanted to pick your brain a little bit today about State Practice Act. So, Bernice, one of the things that she does for us, and of the many things that she does for us, is help really kind of make sure that the team keeps track of State Practice Act guidelines. We keep it Fabulous spreadsheet, Um, especially now as uh, things are changing a little bit um, as a result of the pandemic. We've got lots of things kind of happening, um, not only at the national level, but at the state level. So, you know, I wanted to um, talk to you, Bernice, today, because I know clinicians sometimes struggle with what they need to know, when they need to know it, how to get the information, and specifically with state practice acts. I know as I go through and um, look at the ones that I'm responsible for really researching on a regular basis, sometimes it can be a little bit challenging, right? And I'm used to some of these websites. So, you know, as an individual clinician, what would be your
1: responsibility to keep track of when it comes to those kinds of things? I think there's two different things, components here. I think that we can always feel secure that when we're working with a company um, that uh, that you know, is looking at the well-being for us. One of the advantages that we know that they're always gonna be keeping up with updates that are taking place at a state, local and national level. However, as clinicians, we also have the same responsibility. Unfortunately, right now is the best example to say that things are changing day by day. Yesterday, we could have gone to our local association and they probably could have told us, oh, you're fine to just move forward with your renewal process and go today and they might actually have now a new expectation for you. So one of the biggest things is keeping up with the changes. You know, taking that initiative to go back and actually start looking at what is changing in my practice, what new guidelines need to be applicable, what I need to change. So I think that's the first step, knowing that we cannot just rely on the company we work for, on our colleagues, or not even our associations or local or, like I said, national, federal. We just have to keep up with them and asking those questions. All right.
0: So, um, Thinking about that, where do they go? Where do you go to get information that you need to know
1: for your practice? Obviously, my first thing is going to be, you know, one of the things is we we got to start looking at who do we serve and how we serve them. So CMS, for example, CMS is a great place to go and refer back to because they're going to tell us, you know, their new expectations for the pay for any individual that we're serving, especially that are being covered for them. Other things that we got to look at is our local LCD, um, you know. That's another area when it comes down to our documentation, to our documentation, to our our actual, um, you know, payer changes, requirements and so on. Um, The other thing is our national associations, you know. Here, I'm in the state of Illinois, so I could easily go to the APTA and figure out as a physical therapist and what is taking place over there. But then locally, I have the IPTA, where I could also refer to locally and ask for those questions. And then in addition, you know, we have to throw this joke out over there, but what about Google? I think everything that we could start Googling, we could start putting in there. It will take us to different websites. The key is we cannot just rely on sources that are not strong. So there's going to be a difference from looking at a really strong association as well established to somebody who just wrote an article of what needs to happen. So that's the only thing that we got to be careful about Google. But our national associations, our local associations, even, you know, we tend to forget that once we graduate, we leave our schools and that we don't need to keep up with the relationship, but schools have to keep up with all the changes as well. So sometimes mm-hmm. making a call to an old instructor, to the director of the program, can also loop you at the new changes that are taking place.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, when I, know I look that. for uh, state licensing boards, I basically, I Google um, speech language pathology, the state, and then licensing board, and I go right to it. Um, I've noticed too that on them. Uh, you can sometimes follow them on Twitter or even Facebook. I don't know if um, yours might even have a listserv that you could sign up for. So, yeah, those are some great tips for me. That's that's
1: actually okay, a, so no, when okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That's yeah. a great point. Yes. Use social media for your advantage. And then yeah. there, you're going to find a lot of resources as well.
0: Yeah. So, once you are on those pages, um, let's just talk about your State Practice Act. So, the licensing board page in the State Practice Act. What kind of things would you for? Where do you tell them where would you tell them to go?
1: Are you saying where where would I tell them to go once they are in those pages or what a specific area yeah. um, you know yeah. one of the things is new releases, new changes. Um, one of the things that I have noticed as we're starting to keep up with the changes that are taking place is that a lot of these uh, websites, you will find that they're now dating everything. So this, which is really, really nice. You will see the most recent okay. information on the top going down. Um, and obviously some items are gonna apply to you, some items are not gonna apply. Um, other things is rules and regulations. Um, you know, is the governor made a new change? You will see that as um, they're using media a lot, so sometimes it's even a video. You no longer have to take that approach of reading an entire article and see what applies to you. Now is, you could just hit on that video and really hear and, and see the new changes that are taking place. Um, other things, state code of conduct, um, again, those are changing. Uh, let's just throw this in there, you know, right now with everything that's going on, a lot of changes in infection control are taking place. And it's affecting Mm -hmm. our school practice. You know, we were carrying the hand sanitizer. Some, some changes, some states have changed where they're like, that's no longer part of infection control. Now you got to do that proper hand washing. So again, is your state made that change as well? And, you know, even uh, your state board of regulations, when you're renewing your license, even they are sharing some of their information, perhaps some of us have not been aware that, you know, we're used to knowing that we have to have an X amount of hours to renew our license. But do you need that this time around? We have states that are not requiring that, you know, and maybe some some individuals are stressing out saying I still have five hours, seven hours. And, you know, it has to be on site. Maybe you don't. So that's another area where you could just go in there and just look. Sometimes most websites, and I would honestly say whether it is CMS, to your local association, to your national association, they have a search box. Just put any type of word. And it's like doing Google, but just in particular for your own for your own practice.
0: Yeah, and on the flip side of that continuing ed, maybe you need something that you didn't know you exactly. needed. Like I know a lot of states. And even national associations like ASHA are requiring now um, some sort of ethics course um, that they may not have before or maybe an additional infection control. Like there could be, um, you know, some sort of misconduct sort of course. So there are all kinds of state-specific um, requirements that you need to make sure that you're following and that you know about. Okay, so thinking about... Sorry, oh, yeah.
1: I'm glad you're mentioning that because here is one thing also to be kind of a warning or a disclaimer. There is make sure you are following the specific changes requirements. And what I mean by this is there are states that are either requiring or requiring you not to make any additional changes. But there has mm-hmm. been states where they have said, you know, we are only accepting the following types of CEUs and from the following resources. Unfortunately, you know, like there is good, like there's bad. And we have actually encountered many companies that are providing continuing education, but has not been approved. So let's not mm-hmm. fall on those traps.
0: Yeah, that's a very good tip. It's something to keep in mind for sure. All right. So thinking about all that stuff that we just talked about, how often then would you recommend an individual clinician
1: go and um, take a look at their state practice act. I would love to say daily, but I know this is not going to happen. I don't even. <laughs> <play daily. laughs> oh gosh. No. Um, you know, I, it, it's. I, I would honestly say it's up for everybody's discretion. Some of you guys might say monthly, quarterly, and so on. But at least once a year, take that moment. Yeah. You know. In a year, many things happen. Come on, a year ago, we did not see what we're actually seeing right now. And that has changed a whole bunch of things in our uh, profession. So at least once a year, make that attempt to say, you know what, I'm going to take a few minutes or a few hours of my time, just put do a quick review. Like I said, all of these places that you go and find a lot of this information, they already have it break it down. If it's not by category, it's by dates. So you're really not going to be looking and expending a whole bunch of time trying to find what is new. Um, In addition to that is, you know, a lot of these websites also allow you to register to their distribution list where they will send you alerts, they will send you the most important changes. So that's something to keep up in mind that you might want to register after a while, you probably are going to get a lot of messages, but again, it's just about reading the titles and say like, is this applicable to me? Is this going to affect me? Do I need to know? Because as clinicians, we all have a different role. Some of us, we're in the field treating other, uh, some of us are also leaders and we're treating at the same time. So as leaders, as associates, we have a different level of responsibility. Who are we educating? Our patient or our associates, our company or others. So, you know, again, it will, it will make a huge impact if you take that time at least once a year, again, you know, in favor of as often as you can, the better. Um, the other thing that I do want to point out, and I guess another thing to remind everybody is if you do register for some alerts and by all means, you know, your email change, your phone number, because now you could even get texts, make sure you change that information. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're going to start losing that as information and you're going to be kind of one of those individuals that eventually you're going to be like, wait. Who said that? Where they came from? And now you're Googling, now you're looking at Facebook, now re- reaching out and so on. And one thing I would have to admit is you find those states where you could reach out directly to certain customer services. And if you're lucky, you get a response right away. But if you're not lucky, you're probably not going to hear for months. So we don't want you to fall in that trap. So it's better to make sure that you also take that proactive approach of making sure that they have the correct information if you for any type of text, email, alert, or anything like that. Right. And you actually, before
0: we started um, recording, you were talking about how, um, and this made me think, when my license is due, I always have an alert in my calendar because sometimes, like you said, there was a state recently where we found out that because of everything that was going on, the offices were shut down, they didn't send out the notices um, via the mail like they normally did. And um, so we, we might have had some some clinicians sort of scrambling because they weren't really paying attention to when that license was due. And so making sure that you're on top of that yes. in particular is important. Well,
1: yeah, many states, Nicole, and thank you for reminding me about that. Many states, what they have actually put as a big warning disclaimer are like, we're not taking in-person applications. Um, yeah. Everything is going to be done remotely. Um, some individuals are working from home, even from these actual uh, companies or associations or you know settings and they don't have the means to be mailing documents so in the past maybe some of us we were used to getting a little postcard saying a reminder you're going to renew your license now they're not doing that now if you all remember normally typically almost every state when you renew your license it will ask you for your address it will ask you for your email so what they're doing is they're sending notifications to those emails so again as part of this annual review that you'll make a mission for yourself. Maybe another uh, mission for yourself is check your spam inbox. Do you have oh, some yeah. in there that are related and important to this that you need to put in your inbox? Do they have the most accurate information? Because the least thing that we want is that, you know, tomorrow is your day to renew your license. And then you will come back with the reason like, oh, it's tomorrow or I didn't get notification. Honestly, some of these notifications, because of the current status, are being sent electronically. So, mm-hmm. great point. And yeah, and I actually put my, yeah, I put my alert in my
0: um, calendar, like, two or three months ahead, actually, so that I make sure um, that I'm not getting caught off guard with any CE requirements or anything like that. And I've got plenty of time to get that settled if I haven't already done it. So, yeah, I always sort of do that for myself. Well, thank you so much, Bernice. Hopefully, um, you guys uh, learned something new today or found, found this helpful, um, let us know what other topics you want to hear about. We are always open to new ideas. Uh, thank you, Bernice, for joining us. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you, much. Um, thank you guys. Have, have a great day and happy documenting. Bye-bye. Bye.